rejected him and has rejected payments for their sin. So let us not think that God is unfair when we get to chapter 16. God is so patient. He is still waiting right now. He is st still waiting and want to give everyone a chance to accept him or reject him. You will face his wrath if you reject the provision that he has made for you to get saved. God has given everyone a way of escape that they don't have to face this tribulation. This is the worst thing ever. Some people say we're in a tribulation right now. That's not true. This is totally separate. And some Bible scholars say this has already happened in the past. That's not true either. This is still future. This is going to happen. God doesn't want anyone to go through this. That's why I believe the rapture hasn't happened yet. He doesn't want anyone to go through this great tribulation. God's judgment and his wrath will be unleashed on a rebellious and an ungodly world. God is trying to, right now, I believe God is trying to get the world's attention right now. He's trying to get the world's attention before all this takes place. And if the tribulation is closed, well, how close is the rapture? It must be closer. Revelation uh, 15, verse 1 through 8. John here is writing. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Or the wrath of God is finished. And I saw something like a sea of glass. He's trying to describe what he's seeing. He said he saw something like a, he didn't say it was. He said, I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. The sea of glass was transparent, surrounding God's throne. Those who lost their lives in the tribulation because they lost their lives in the tribulation because they wouldn't bow down to the Antichrist. The 144,000 preached the gospel. God sent the everlasting angel to preach the gospel. People still didn't, didn't believe it. People still don't believe it. But these people wouldn't bow down to the Antichrist. So they basically lost their lives. Verse 3 said, Then they sang the song of Moses. Those that came through the tribulation had lost their lives. They still went to heaven. But if you accept the Lord during the tribulation period, uh, the Antichrist is not going to like that. And he's going to take people's lives. He's just going to behead people. So he's trying to, uh, so that's why every, every preacher I know right now is trying to warn people from the pulpit, hey guys, the signs of the times are here. We don't know when he's coming, but as I watch the news today, it's like, ooh, man, it's getting more depressing every single day. But this is all signs of the times. Everything is going to go exactly the way God said it was. They sang the song of Moses and the servant of God and the song 
of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. They sing the song of Moses. That, you know this, uh, Moses sang the song in Exodus 15 when, when the Israelites were delivered by God and brought safely through the Red Sea and saw the enemies destroyed. They sing the song of Moses. Now we all should have a song in our hearts this morning. If you really know who you are and know where you're going and what God has done for you and that you're going to have forgiveness, uh, ever, everlasting life. And you haven't got to face any more pandemics, you know. Hey, man, we should have a song in our heart. When you look around and see everything going on in this world, it's all this craziness. Don't let it discourage you. Just lift up your head, man, because your redemption is close. The Lord could come any time now. There's not one scripture that needs to be fulfilled before the rapture takes place. Not one. They've all been fulfilled. He could come today. It, it kind of it causes me to examine my life and get my life in priority. And what is really important? Everything you own, everything I own, is going to be left. Gone. So many times people put so much emphasis on material things, which doesn't mean nothing in heaven. Everything you, and I tell people, man, if you really want to make a good investment, you invest in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God because your investments here is going to last throughout eternity. Verse 4 and 5, you know, they sing the song of Moses because, you know, God had delivered them from Pharaoh and everything, but verse 4 and 5, Who shall not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgment has been manifested. God's, and God's righteous judgment is complete. He will set up his millennial kingdom when Christ come and reign for a thousand years on this earth. You know, we're going to reign with him. Did you know that? And these things I look and behold the temple, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. This is the heavenly temple, the heavenly tabernacle, not the earthly one. The earthly one was only temporary and it was a shadow of the heavenly one. But once again, the temple of heaven is open. The earthly temple has has been taken over by the beast, the Antichrist. But the beast could not touch the heavenly temple. The Ark of the Covenant was, was kept in the temple of the tabernacle of the Holy of Holies. But under Moses, it was concealed from the people. They weren't allowed to look in and see. But the way of the holiest of all right now is open to all the saints. Now we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. He said, out of the temple came seven angels having seven plagues, verse 6, clothed in pure, pure linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. The seven plagues, the final judgment. You're going to find those in the next chapter. The angels clothing remind us of the priestly garments. The robes of the angels signifies God's holiness and his royalty. This shows us that angels were acting in all things under God's divine direction. An angel is always, he always acts under God's divine direction. 
And these angels are used to pour out the judgment on the world. The angels doesn't move. They don't do anything. They don't go into place unless God says so. Unless God says, says go. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, he could have called down more than 12 inches of angels, but he didn't. So the angels had to stand down. The angels had to stand down and watch Christ being crucified on that cross because he told them to stand down. An angel doesn't move. He doesn't do anything until he's ordered. And then he'll, you know, one angel destroyed 185,000 Syrians in one night. One angel just wiped him out one night. So angels are very powerful and they're being used to pour out the judgment of God. The seven angels came out of the temple. They were sent. But each one was entrusted with a plague to be executed on the earth. To pour out the wrath on the earth. Clothes in white, emblem of holiness. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Four living creatures, the cherubims, chapter 4, verse 6, verse 8, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were complete. The smoke symbolizes God's presence, his glory. No one was able to enter. Now you and I, under the new covenant, we can go before the throne of grace boldly right now, right into the, we have access to the throne. Anytime, 24-7. Revelation 16, chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of your wrath of God on the earth. The first bowls. First one was loosened sores. Verse two says, so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and loosened sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worship the image. This is a reference to the six Egyptian plagues, you know, in Exodus nine, the boils broke out. This is similar to that. You know, Moses was. He threw up ashes and everything in the air and, and the boys broke out on people. Scattered. What kind of sword was a loosened sword? It says that in verse 2. Loosened swords, it broke out on everybody. Well, it was uh, like an ulcer. It was like a boil. It was very painful in character. It was malignant sores, incurable sores. Those who had taken the mark of the beast, they are the ones that received these souls. What a terrible price to pay for not believing in God. What a terrible price. So the first angel poured out his, and soul just broke out on everybody. Incurable sores, boils, almost like what Job had. The second, the second bowl, verse 3, then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood is of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. The second angel turns the sea into blood. This is the third bowl that just rivers of blood everywhere. It kind of reminds us of the 
first plague in Egypt, Exodus chapter 7 with Moses, as well as the second trumpet in Revelation 8 verse 8. However, during the trumpet judgment, only a third of the sea became blood. But here we see the entire water system is affected. The, in, the entire water system of the world is polluted, undrinkable. Every living creature perishes when the water is turned into blood. And the result is an unbearable stench that will spread throughout the world. Bunch of dead fish just rising to the top, dying because of the blood. The third bowl, verse 4, then... Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And then I heard an angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who, uh, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets. God sent saints. God sent the prophets. God is trying to warn people and they killed them. Or you have given them blood to drink for this is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So the angels are saying, you know, God, the angels are saying, your righteous is true and your righteous is right and, and is fair, what he's saying. He's saying that God sent prophets, God warned people, God sent saints, they didn't listen. God is still warning people, even right now. But people are not listening. People are not listening. Man, everyone right now seems like most people is doing what's right in their own eyes. And, and God is saying, hey guys, you better come. You better come. But I really believe right now is the time for the church to arise. Boy, we can't be around here asleep. We got to pay attention to what's going on around us because there's a lot of folks really hurting. And if there's a time to show the love of God, boy, I tell you, it's a time now because people are searching. So, you know, be friendly to people. You might get an opportunity to share God's love with people. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but all people come to repentance. He does not want people to go through this. The fourth, the fourth bowl in verse 8, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the earth, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Verse 9, And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent, and give glory. Hmm. The sun's heat was intensified. Some people said the sun moved closer to the earth. I don't know about that. Well, maybe. I don't care. Won't be here to find out. You know what I'm saying? But it said the sun heat was intensified. The sun normally provides light. The sun normally provides warmth for people and energy for people. But the sun now becomes deadly. It's going to become a killer. And with no fresh water to drink, with the sun intensified, many people will perish. But every inhabitant on the earth will face extreme heat. 
When God created the sun, he caused it to shine on both the just and the unjust. Both the godly and the ungodly. But in the tribulation, only the ungodly will feel the scorch. Only the, uh, the ungodly. We know that people, they realize that these judgments are coming from God. They realize that. Because he said they cursed the God of heaven. They cursed him. They blasphemed him. But yet, they refused to recognize God's authority and repent of their sins. Oh boy, I tell you, what if we repented today? What if America repented? What if we repented, stop killing the babies and, you know, and what if we repented, you know, what if, what if? But why won't we? How bad does it have to get before we do? Man does not have the answer to all these problems. I don't care who you watch. You can watch Fox News, CNN, NBC, ABC, whoever kind of see you want to watch. They don't have the answer. And they're doing one thing after another. They're trying to figure out the answer and they just as confused. Because one contradicts the other. Huh? Well, we know who's got the answer, don't we? They notice this. They should have cried out to God for mercy. That's what I would have done. What about you? I mean, if I'm seeing all of this, boils breaking out on people, the sun scorching people, I would have cried out for forgiveness and mercies. Maybe God would have stopped the whole thing. Maybe he would have just said, you know what, I see you guys hard. I see you guys have repented, so I'm going to stop the plagues. I'm going to stop the tribulation. I'm going to stop. But no, it said what they did, they blasphemed the name of God. They cursed the name of God. Their heart became harder. They became worse. Boy, God has done everything that he could do from people to face this. God has gave everyone a chance so people can avoid this. He is very patient with people and he's very long suffering. I'm wondering, I'm seeing everything happen now in the world. I'm wondering why hasn't the rapture happened? You know, I want to be like the apostles, you know, say, hey, call down fire and burn them all up. But God said, you don't know the spirit that you're even speaking of. He rebuked them for that. When they said, oh, we're going to just going to burn them all up, call down fire like Elijah. He said, you don't even know what spirit that was that even said that. That wasn't the spirit of God. That was the spirit of the flesh. Sometime I get impatient and say, oh, the rapture come today. And I know so many um people, so many unsaved people. I know so many unsaved people that are not saved. They're not saved. They're going to they're gonna face this. They're going to face this tribulation. So I'm praying in my own life, God, use me as a tool that I can go out here and tell somebody. I mean, it's not going to do me any good to keep silent. So I'm trying to help people avoid this, man. I mean, we have to, I think we have to be having compassion for people and tell them the fleet are about to come. Because the wrath is coming because God is not going to let people get away with what we're doing here. Well, we can run on and on and on and on and think we got away with it. But the Bible says you're going to read what you sow. Verse, verse 10, the fifth bowl. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. There was, 
they gnawed their tongue, meaning that their pain was, it was that they were in anguish so bad, they gnawed their tongue. This, this, this word gnawed is, is not mentioned any place else in the New Testament. But what it means, basically, they was very, very much in pain. In verse 11, what did they do? They blasphemed the God of heaven because of the pain and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. They still wouldn't repent. The world is in worldwide darkness. The Bible says, uh, Exodus, that it was a darkness that people can feel. It wasn't like the darkness like we have at night. It's a, it was so dark that you could feel it. This is worldwide darkness. Only the beast and his throne is, is affected. This kind of reminds us of the fifth trumpet, Revelation 9, 2, and the ninth plagues in Exodus 10, what Moses went through. When God sent the ninth plague to Egypt, the entire land was dark, except for Goshen, where the Israelites lived, there was light. Where God's people were, there was light. But they blasphemed the God of heaven. Neither did they repent. Therefore, the judgment continued to follow. Verse 12, then the sixth angel sound and out of his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And it was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. Refer to the preparation for the coming battle of Armageddon, the Hebrew name Armageddon. It says about 60 miles north of Jerusalem, but it was a plain where battles were fought. Many battles were fought there. They say if you're going to fight a battle, this would be the perfect place to fight a battle. This is a final conflict even between Christ and Satan, Revelation chapter 20. Even Satan going to try to fight against Christ. Well, who do you think is going to win? But drowned up of the river made it possible for the armies to cross and come into Palestine and, Palestine and invade the land. He dries it up to allow the armies to cross over so they can fight. The kings of the east, is said. Some people say the king was Russia. Some say it's Iran, Iraq. You read Ezekiel 38 and 39, Gog and Magog. I don't know who they are, but they're going to all come against Israel, all of them. The whole world is going to turn against Israel. Well, matter of fact, the whole world is turning against Israel right now. And it's going to get worse during the tribulation. The sixth outpouring of God's wrath will drop the Euphrates River. The king's going to cross over and they're going to have the worst battle you've ever seen. Battle of Armageddon. Verse 13, I saw three, verse 13, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. He tried to describe, he said, well, like frogs. I don't know what they look like, but they look like frogs. Some folks say they're helicopters. I don't know about that. You know, people speculate. I read five different commentaries. They all five said something different, so I don't know. I, I don't care, to be honest with you. I don't like frogs anyway. I mean, I'm just telling you, I don't like them. But it's just me, between me and you. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. The dragon is Satan out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. This is the unholy trinity. 
Satanists have his own unholy trinity, Satan, the false prophet, and the Antichrist. He's always trying to mimic the things of God. He's always trying to copy, imitate the things of God. But he says what they were, verse 14, for they are spirits of demons. They're coming out of here, they look like frogs, but he says they are spirits of demons, verse 14, performing what signs? Signs what? To deceive people? Which go out to the kings of the earth and all the world and gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. These demons are going to go out and they're going to gather people, all the nations, to the valley. He's going to lure them into the valley of Megiddo, Armageddon, for the war. Satan always works miracles to deceive folks. And like I said many times before, uh, just because a person works a miracle, you don't know if it's from God or from, from the devil. You don't know. Working miracles deceive the world. They were probably working miracles through the, through the false prophet. But the Antichrist is going to try to destroy Israel. But God is going to destroy them. I don't know why people hate Israel so bad. I don't know why that is. I mean, I'm trying to figure, what did they do? Why would you hate the Jews like that? What did they do to anybody? All they're trying to do is live for God and defend the country. They're not bothering anybody. But the whole world, even right now, uh, Iran said they want to blast them off the face of the earth. They want to kill them all. For what? What did they do to you? Well, God is going to intervene because nobody is going to take them out because God's on their side. And, and I tell you what, a lot of people teach, well, God is done with Israel. No, he's not. If you want to watch prophecy, you watch Israel. That is God's timetable. God is going to protect those people. And if you go in there, if you try to take Israel out, guess what? You're going to lose. 15 says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. Anybody's going to walk naked and see their shame if you won't stand in your own righteousness. We have been imputed with, imputed with the righteousness of Christ. And that is the only way you can stand before a holy God, not in your own righteousness. Don't try to cover yourself like Adam and Eve did. You're covering, you can't cover, you can't cover sin. God is saying, you got to have my righteousness or you're going to be ashamed. You can't stand before God in your own righteousness. Because our righteousness is what Isaiah said, filthy rags, right? So we can't do it. But there's a lot of people going to be ashamed, man, because they're going to say, oh, I was, I was a good person. I was a good person. I went to church, man. So I'm going to try to stand before God in my own righteousness. He said, you're going to be ashamed. You better stand before the righteousness of Christ. And if you're born again believer, if you accepted Christ as your savior, you know what? You have the righteousness of Christ right now. Right now. But he said he's going to come as a thief. First Thessalonians 5 said, be current. But concerning the days and the season, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you for yourself. Know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And when they say peace and safety, everybody's saying today, peace and safety. Then sudden destruction come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness you Christians, you're not supposed to be walking around with our eyes closed. Pay attention to the spiritual realm, the spiritual world. But we are not in darkness that that day should overtake us as a, 
as a thief. You are sons of light and sons of the day. That's what you are. So let us walk. So let us watch and be sober. Jesus will come as a thief in the night. In other words, he going to come in a very unexpected moment. When you expect him the least, he will show up. But they gathered together in this place of called Armageddon. And this is, it's going to be a battle that we said going to be fought. And the blood will be up to the horse's brow, four feet high, 200 miles, pure blood. Uh, it's, it's going to be awful. I think that God has made a way for you and I to be out of here. I don't, want to, I don't even want to see it. Verse 17, the seventh bowl, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of God. This voice is God's, God's voice, came out of the temple of God from the throne saying, it is done. The seventh bowl is, is the climax of all God's judgment. It is done. This is the final act of God's judgment before Christ returns. He's saying it is finished, as Jesus said, it is finished. Why did this angel pull out the vials on the air? Some say because Satan is the prince and the power of the air. He's fighting against the devil. Maybe so. He said in verse 18, there were noises and thundering and lightning. And there were a great earthquake. He said this was not any earthquake. He said this was a great earthquake. In other words, this earthquake here is going to be worldwide. Can you imagine? Have you ever been in an earthquake before? I know when I was in California, I've been in an earthquake. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't nice, I tell you that much. Uh, this is going to be a, a worldwide earthquake. Can you imagine that? It's just going to affect the world. Verse 19, now the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell because of the earthquake. And great Babylon was, Babylon was remembered before God to give her, her cup of the wine of the fierce of his wrath. We're going to talk more about that in Revelation 17 and 18. But this earthquake believed to divide up Jerusalem into three parts. Zechariah chapter 14, 4. And it says that then every island is going to, verse 20, is going to just be fled away. Then every island fled away, verse 20, and the mountains were not found. Because of the earthquake, every island is going to just disappear. And the mountains disappear because of the earthquake. It's going to be devastating. They will not be seen anymore. It says in verse 21, and great hail fell from heaven. It said it came from heaven and fell upon men. Each hailstone about the weight of a talent. How much a talent? Each hailstone is believed to be like 100, uh, 120 pounds apiece falling out of the sky. Can you imagine that? Great hail fell from heaven, fell upon men, it says, and each hailstone about of a talent, men blaspheme God because of the plagues of the hell. Since that plague was not exceedingly great. 
It's going to be exceedingly great, heavy hail, hail storm with tremendous weight, about 120 pounds, falling out of the sky. People say they didn't repent. Hell is usually a tool of God's judgment, usually, against his enemies. This hailstone will do more than just dent your car. It's going to demolish your homes. It's going to do more than do that, demolish your homes. This, can you imagine hailstones coming out of the sky 120 pounds apiece? It's, it's not going to be pretty. Chunks of ice. It's going to have unimaginable devastation. But they blaspheme the name of God. What was the Old Testament punishment for blasphemy? For blasphemy? It was it was stoning. Leviticus 24, 16. What happened here? Stoning a hundred pounds, ice from a hundred pounds is gonna be falling out of the sky. People's hearts drew hard. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. Did it produce repentance? No, it didn't. I've never seen a piece of ice that big before. Don't really care to. Judgment doesn't always produce repentance. Out of all of this that people have seen with the sun scorching people and with the water turning to blood, everything they saw, they said they blasphemed God's name. They still didn't repent. I mean, what does it take? See, everybody's not going to be saved. Let's just face it. If God had waited another million years, those people still would not have repented. And he knows who's going to repent and who's not. So he knows when to show up when that rapture. He knows when to show up and when not to show up. He's got a perfect time that he's going to show up for that rapture. He's got a perfect time. Because if he had waited, if he would wait another million years, some people still and I've shared many times at hospitals, I've gone to hospitals, and I've tried to lead people to Christ, and they died right before my very eyes and still didn't repent. I watched them die in the hospital bed. I says, man, you're going out to eternity. You're going to go to hell, man, if you don't repent. Oh, I'll be okay. I said, no, you won't. Well, you don't hear all that, but I'll tell them straight up. Because I feel I'm responsible for those people's lives and I can let those people go out into eternity without even trying to turn them around. But these people, but they were unbelievers. Even the unbeliever survivors, they knew the judgment was coming of God. They didn't turn to him. They, they would not repent. But so Failure to, failure to return, failure to return to God's grace. When a person refuses God's grace, they have no other choice but to face God's wrath. God's grace one day will run out. He's been patient and he's been waiting and he's been waiting. But one day it will run out, but he will never violate people's free will. If a person don't want to go to heaven, he's not going to force you to go. He has done everything he can to keep people from facing this tribulation. He has made a way of escape. 
He didn't want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to destroy the flood with the flood with Noah. He didn't want all those people to perish. He gave those people a way of escape. Noah preached 120 years begging people to come to Christ, and they would. They mocked him. Like the Christians today. Like, you know what they think we are? I heard an article the other day. They think we are mentally ill because we believe in Christ and we accept Jesus Christ as I would say, they think we need psychological help. But you know what I got to say about that? Well, you don't know what I got to say about that. But I think they're the ones that need the help. So if you're here today and you have not put your faith in Christ, here's the bottom line. We know this is going to happen. We should be warning people. We should be telling people, hey, man, it's going to, if you think it's bad now, this is nothing. This is nothing. The worst is yet to come. And if you want to escape people, this is what we should be telling people right now. Hey, man, uh, have you ever put your faith in Christ? Have you ever received Christ in your heart? Have you ever asked Christ to come into your heart and be your Savior and your Lord? If you haven't, do it right now. When I talk to people, I try to lead them to Christ right then. Because some of those people I don't see again. I never see again. And God's got you on your job and your neighborhood, wherever you are. And he's got people all around you to show God's love and to let people know the, the tribulation is coming and how they can escape it. So if God is going to work in these last days, he's going to work through the church. You know, Peter and Paul, all those guys, they dead and gone, man. But we're still here as the time is this, such as the time is this, we're still here so we can warn people. And I tell you what, I'm glad somebody told me. I am so glad. Otherwise, I could have faced this tribulation myself. Somebody was gracious enough to, sh to share the gospel with me. I mocked them at first. I mocked them at first because I thought they were weak and everything, but after I had tried everything else, and it, it didn't work. And I says, well, I guess I might as well try Christianity. So guess what? Christ was right there. Boy, he called my name. And I, and I haven't been the same since. And if you're watching this and you haven't received Christ, just say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And you know what? You haven't got to face this great tribulation. You haven't got to go through this. You'll be so happy you did. Can you imagine no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death? We, gotta, we have a lot to look forward to. That's why the Bible said we shouldn't focus on the temporary. We should be focusing on the eternal. You're not going to be here forever. This is not your home. So God bless you, and I pray that God will just make that real the time we're living in, and the time we're living in, lift up your head, man, because Christ is coming for you. Your name is written in the book, and you will live forever with him. Let us stand.